0: Welcome back to The Mailroom, where we interview aspiring entertainment industry professionals. I'm Steven. And I'm Tyler. And we are getting Ziggy with it today, because we have Zigs on the podcast, aka Lily Ziggler. Lily
1: Ziggler coming on the podcast today. She's a dear friend of mine. We met on Pam and Tommy. She was the DGA trainee. She has a clear track in the AD route as an assistant director. Assistant director. She he has ass- a little bit of a mouthful there, she's wasn't she? She's an it? aspiring <laughs> assistant director yeah, who has yet. 25 more days until she gets into the Director's Guild of America, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Snap, 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 snap.
1: And She's doing it all under 28 years old.
0: I was really inspired by uh, Ziggs. I didn't know what an assistant director really was before this podcast. I learned so much. It was just Full of knowledge uh, here and there Just about the world of an assistant director Which is so interesting That's for sure <laughs> Let's let him hear it Hold on You mentioned something oh. Pam and Tommy Yeah It's coming out soon on Hulu A little plug for Pam
1: and Tommy <laughs> Get it Tyler out there on Hulu on. Yep <laughs> Everybody get it out there on Hulu Hopefully my name's in the credits Hopefully <laughs> Hopefully they didn't cut you out of it <laughs> But they probably did uh, Let's get into it Here's Ziggs <laughs> name is officially lily ziggler but your nickname is ziggs Mm
2: -hmm. because i'm always getting ziggy with it
1: is that why is that why
2: yeah that was why yeah what's so funny is so tyler the show that we met on um the lead actress was named lily so i walk into the makeup the makeup trailer on day one Mm -hmm. and introduce myself and she's like oh i'm i'm also lily and i was like well i'm gonna go by ziggs because i'm always getting ziggy with it and she laughed so much and never <laughs> forgot it. Never. You
0: made, you made Lily James laugh mm-hmm. hysterically the yes. first
2: day the of The first sex. day. It was the oh, camera test day before oh, yeah. she was in any of the makeup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it was uh, it was a great interaction. And then she never forgot my name. Wait, Wait.
0: The, I want to focus on this getting Ziggy with it joke. <laughs> um, so does that, have you prepared this over time? Was this a on-the-spot type of
2: <laughs> joke? Mean, I have come from a long, long line of other, like, my dad goes by Ziggy, my sister mm-hmm. goes by Ziggy, like, um, a long line of them. So um, all of our, like, Christmas albums are called Getting Ziggy With It, or, like, that's what our family group chat's name. So it kind of, it, but I do like to incorporate well, it into it, an intro. If,
0: if Will Smith is listening, it, right. you've you've defined, <laughs> defined a family entire name yes. there and you've made Lily James <laughs> laugh hysterically
2: yeah
0: I, I hope I hope he listens I at one so point to, to know how much of a of a we, what,
2: yeah what we need I like a yeah
1: I don't know what you're we
2: need, <laughs> <laughs> we need like a parody of his original song and then my family will have we a theme song we can make that yeah, yeah
0: pretty have really never done that we have three, three has microphones a family make a three music getting ziggy with it Lily James would 100%
1: but yeah, she would, stand oh, by she it.
0: would invest in she it, probably right? Is. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I
1: love that. So I didn't realize Zig started on Lake Me, aka it, Pam and Tommy.
2: So it didn't, aka Pam and Tommy. Um, it it didn't. Um, so my very first show, um, in the training program, which I'm sure we'll dive straight into. But I'm I'm in this program called the the DGA Assistant Directors Training Program, um, where I get assigned shows, and this first show that I worked on ever, our first AD's name was Lily, which meant automatically person lower on the totem pole, I cannot go by Lily, which is fine. And in, uh, in college, I went by Ziggs. Um, I had some of my best friends called me Ziggs. So, but I hadn't heard it since then. So, um, yeah, they immediately started calling me Ziggs and I responded to it and it was awesome. It was so memorable. It was so, gender neutral which is a very cool part of it mm-hmm. and I also think that it fits me really well yeah um, so it was it was really lovely to do that and then my second show had another Lily and then my third show had another Lily like I've never worked with this many lilies before um, when in and, LA right right so <laughs> yeah. um, by the time Pam and Tommy came around and Lily James was was number one on the call sheet or number two on the call sheet um, it was a very natural natural introduction. Um, well, it was yeah.
1: embraced by everybody. I can yeah. definitely say that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and what's so funny is, like, when we had day players or when we had, um, like, people come in to the show and people would be like, go find Ziggs. And everyone's like, what the hell is a Ziggs? Like, right. what, yeah, what is Ziggs? that? And then I, like, round a corner and I'm like, nah, 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 like, day oh, or something. Oh. and, with it. Yeah. and I'm like, ah, oh, y- you must be Ziggs. Yep. That's me.
1: <laughs> well, it's I feel like it's it's so effective because nobody's going to forget your name mm-hmm. and you're such an important person to know on set because you're just a hub of information and communication. Yeah. So like it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah, right?
0: I yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need a cool nickname. Like
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> and even like I I've, I've embraced it. I wear like name tags. I've got a, a Ziggy Stardust sticker on my on my walkie and on my name tag. So oh. um yeah, so it's a it's a fun time. It's a great thing to embrace.
1: Well, what are you working on now?
2: Um, I'm working on an HBO show, um, and it's very challenging. Last week was my first week on the show, although they've been running for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of overnights. As wow. you can imagine, like very much, thank you, um, type of vibes, mm-hmm. um, because HBO loves to lean into that. So yeah. um, definitely working with intimacy coordinators, working with um, mm. lots of background, working with um, an ensemble cast of very cool young people and, um, in like big mansion houses and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great show to work on.
1: And. You're in the DGA trainees program, correct? Yes. So, mm-hmm. uh, just for, for do you know what the trainee program is, Steve? I know what the DGA is.
0: Good, directors that's a good start. Guild of America, <laughs> yes. if mm-hmm. I am correct. A, mm-hmm. a union for directors to get their payment that they deserve.
2: Yes. Yeah. And
0: assistant directors. Mm-hmm. And anyone else is at it? Yeah. Um,
2: UPMs are in there, but yeah, yeah, UPM exactly.
0: Unit production
1: managers, yes. which are yeah. line producers. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Not always. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes.
2: Um, but yeah, spot on. So um, yeah, the Directors Guild um, recognized that becoming an assistant director is a very long journey. It's well-defined, which is unique. Like becoming a director and becoming a writer and becoming a producer, um, there's a lot of different avenues to go down. And it requires a lot, of, a lot of time and effort and networking. Being an AD has all of those things as well, but there's a very um quantifiable amount of days before you get into the guild and um so as a pa you have to do 600 pa days and then you have to leave california or leave la which is called first area to go do third area days for 400 days now that's a lot of days it takes years and years and years and a lot of training and you have to be uprooted from your network into a completely different new place. Now, the training program expedites that process. Um, So you have to go through significant interviews and this very crazy application process. And um, if you're selected, you're in this program for 400 days. And on day, quote unquote, 401, you will graduate from the program and become um, a second AD on on the qualifying list in the DGA. So you can work as a second AD, which is so, so awesome. It's, like, been my dream for so many years to be a, DG, a DGA AD. And, um, yeah, and I am incredibly close to finishing this program. So how
1: many days?
2: Um, I, as of Friday, I was on day 375, which means I have 25 more days before I'm an AD.
0: Wow. That <laughs> <is> 25 <laughs> days of Christmas. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. Oh. And my birthday's at the end of January, so it's, like, the perfect oh, birthday wow. present. The like, we cons- can't even imagine.
0: Look at I that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's say maybe a few years ago, I would have said, oh, an AD, an as- assistant director, mm-hmm. is an assistant to the director. But right. that's, that's not true. That yes, is a, that's very... a common misconception. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I guess what is, what is an assistant director, and, and why is it called that if it is not an mm-hmm. assistant to the director?
2: So um, an an assistant director, an Mm -hmm. AD, is, and I'm incredibly biased, but it is the greatest job in the history of the world. (laughs) That is an unpopular opinion because it's also incredibly stressful. Um, Highest life expectancy. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Everyone's like, you know, you're going to die at 50, right? And I'm like, excuse me, I think I'll make it to 55. You're here for a good time, not a (laughs) long time. Right, right. So it's, um, yeah, an AD, their job, my job is to facilitate the director's vision. It's my job to execute the logistics to make that happen. Um, So basically we're communicators. We are problem solvers. We are, um, we do what it takes to get the job done basically. And um, we're in charge of creating, breaking down the script, making a schedule that is feasible to shoot that script. Mm. And then all of the pieces that come together. So on a typical AD team, you've got the first assistant director who is working with that director closest, um, knows their vision, communicates that vision, and then um, makes sure that all the other departments basically is there to facilitate those conversations. So you get everybody in in the same room together, and you're listening to everything at all times. The first AD then has a key second AD, Mm -hmm. who is right underneath them, and they are in charge. They're more than just in charge of the call sheet, but the the call sheet is their piece of information that they're communicating. That is the single most important sheet of paper on a film set, in my opinion, second only to the script, since that's what you're going off of. Um, But a call sheet has every iota of information that you might need on a day's work. It has when you have to be there, where you have to be, what we're shooting, who is going to be in it, and all of the elements that are in, in required for that. Um, for example, if you're shooting a scene that says they walk into a party and um, and the roof's on fire. like That's one sentence in a script, but it requires who's they, where is this place? Oh, the roof's on fire, so we need special effects, and then we need safety, and we need this person. And I bet we're gonna need a wide and that's probably 50 background and in order to have 50 background you need this many people running that background and then we need costumes and props and this and that and it's it snowballs into many 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 elements coming together for one sentence on a piece of paper. Um, So But isn't that so exciting? Like, isn't that that the coolest thing in the history of the world? (laughs) If I'm reading
0: a script, someone's walking to a party and the roof is on fire, I'm I'm pretty intrigued I when I know what's going on. I I think they're just getting a little ziggy with it. (laughs) It must be.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, of course. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's really cool.
0: That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I just now need to know, I mean, I can't relate. I, 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 you're, you're talking about the, how this first AD job is, is the, seems like the greatest job in the world. I think it's very interesting, but I, I wouldn't be able to, at least for me say, Oh, this is what I want to do. So where, where's this <laughs> come from?
2: That is this a really, really great question. Um, when I was 17, um, and in high school, and I, how are you now? Uh, I'm about to turn
0: 27. Wow, 10 years ago.
2: 10-year dreams coming true um, very soon. Um, And I just jump for joy every time I think about it. Yes. Um, But yeah, so I I was 17 years old. Um, What's funny is no one knows what an AD is unless you've been on a film set, I think. Um, And so I did this program. I'm originally from New York and Connecticut. I did this program in Connecticut called the Film Industry Training Program. And it was made for um, people who were trying to break into the New York industry, but they were older, graduated college. Like they just needed a little bit of oomph, a little bit of training type of thing. And I had this incredible mentor and teacher who um, was able to finagle myself and my other 17-year-old friend into this program. Um, and they were like, we don't accept high schoolers. And she was like, this is different. This is This is gonna inform them. You won't regret this. Mm-hmm. And on the first day, The first week was a bunch of seminars about heads of department talking about what those departments are. So I'm sitting there and I hear the wardrobe, the costumer, um, talk about her job and the cameraman talk about his job. And I was like, you know, I love how all of these pieces are coming together, but nothing 100% clicked. And then the first Sadie started talking. And it was like, I even have chills right now thinking about it. It was like this eureka moment of everything I knew about myself, both positives and negatives, every single thing about myself came together and tied up in this beautiful bow with a title called First Assistant Directing. And it was it, 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 the best way. I, I mean, I believe in love at first sight because of how I felt when I first heard <laughs> about a first AD. But oh I've goodness. never felt that way uh, since then. Yes. Um, and every single decision that I made since sitting in that seminar has been towards becoming an AD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what school I chose, what projects I worked on, what i went into i went into college i sat down in an interview for for film school and they said where do you see yourself in 5 years and i said i'll be a second ad in, in the directors guild of america and they were like what the hell you're you're 18 years old how do you even know what an ad is and i dove into that story and they're like that's a very ad's can be unsung sung heroes it's a thankless job um very little recognition and yet we we make the ship move so where, it's where do you go to school i went to florida state university
0: Gainesville. Ooh, fsu
2: yeah. fsu yeah they have a phenomenal film program um yeah. which is pretty tiny i was my class was like 25 people oh was that was that good it was it was incredible yeah. and the best part and the reason why i chose that school was because um you had to do every single job on a film set so within like one of my film school rotations like I was a boom operator. Mm-hmm. I I pulled focus. Mm-hmm. I ran cable. I moved a dolly. Like I learned every aspect of filmmaking. And my AD brain was like, okay, I, I don't I don't necessarily care to learn the minutiae about this job, but I need to know how this job will affect my job. Yeah. So like great, we're laying dolly track. When I'm ADing on shows, I don't say, why is it taking this long? I can observe what's happening and be like, oh, this is the step that they're on because I've personally laid dolly track before. Um, now it's been years, but but I have. So I guess that counts. Another
1: huge part of the AD mm-hmm. job, right, is being the clock. Yeah. You have to have your eyes mm-hmm. on the clock at all times. So what are the types of things in your life that you recognized at such an early age that you were able to be so timely, so precise with?
2: Yeah. Day. Well, what's so funny is I think that that's something that I struggle with in the 80s sense. Like you'd think that like even for for showing up today, I was five minutes late, which I'm like, oh, my God, like that's terrible. But um, <laughs> because there's such a tempo and momentum and, and pace of set on the days when I don't necessarily have to stress myself out about being on time, then I don't always do that terrible. It's so bad. If
0: we're talking about being on, on time. Today I'm 5 hours yeah. late. I don't, I don't I don't know to what, but I, I just have yeah. 5 hours yeah. of things to do I haven't. Yeah. I'm the worst. <laughs> I, I would be a bad 80s.
2: <laughs> I would I would honestly counter the idea of 80s being so time sensitive to I I my time management abilities sometimes can be askew but I always know how to prioritize. Right. And I would, mm-hmm. I would challenge that it's less about time and more about priorities mm-hmm. where, you know, that the sun is setting in three hours and you have to shoot three pages. What, how are you going to do that? How are we going to maneuver that? And then I often, when I'm ADing smaller shows, I'll go up to my, my director and say, this, is, these are the terms and conditions. These are the circumstances that we're working with. What would you like to prioritize? And what can we, can what can we shift around? And that's kind of, those are the conversations that you have where you're like, I know what I can accomplish in a 12-hour day, but it's always moving and grooving.
0: and So, so is a goal there to, mm-hmm. instead of going up to the director and saying, what would you like to do, is it almost mm-hmm. saying, like, I already know what you need to do and want to do from the conversations we've mm-hmm. had before. Like, here's, here's what you right. want to prioritize, but... It, I guess do directors like receiving commands like that, or, or what's the? <laughs> um, is there hopefully. a balance of <laughs> of figuring out how to talk to director, directors correctly?
2: I mean, there definitely is. It's definitely the rapport that you have to establish in prep, um, and there's um, you kind of figure out what what the vision is, and if you can if you can guide your own conversation that so that it aligns with their vision. Um, and you kind of know what their priorities are. it's a It's a very tricky, tricky balance because you do have those tough conversations. Mm-hmm. and And directors, new directors will will not necessarily understand like, wait, but I want both. Like I want both scenes to happen at day in, in the day. It's like, okay, well, we have time for one of those. Um, so, so you kind of go into each moment with plan A, B, C, D, and Z. Like you, you have every option under the sun. Um, so it's, um, you, kind of go in and you're like, I know, I know you want both of these things to happen, but both of them can't happen because we're, we're losing this or that or the other thing. And then what, what's the next thing that we can do? How else can we make this come true? You know, and you kind of, um, when you have a director that trusts you, then you can be a little bit more creative, have take some more creative liberties, um, or or sometimes I've worked with directors who are very like, let's see, giving an example. I worked on a short once where I went in in prep, in prep and we had two days to shoot like a seventeen page show, and that is you, you try to average even on like days that are are, are shorts. Um, you don't want to do more than six pages is a lot. Seven pages is a little outrageous, but it's been known to happen. Eight pages, like, okay, we're we're in crunch time, but we'll make it happen run and gun style. Mm-hmm. But anything more than that, like, you're not setting yourself up for success. So I'll, I'll use phrases like that. Like, in order to set ourselves up for success, we should probably consider combining these two things. Or mm-hmm. what can we do? How can we tell your story? What can we cut and still get your message across? Okay. And things like that. So... You do have to be the bad guy, you do have to be the bearer of bad news, but but you just got to trust your gut and trust that your your goal is the same as their goal, which is to make this movie.
0: And talking about timing
2: mm-hmm. and
0: having the same goals direct as a director, mm-hmm. is there ever a time where some irony occurs where you are almost talking having a conversation about time on set which ends up having taking up time uh, where a fight with the director yeah. or just a long, drawn-out conversation ends up taking away from the filming itself.
2: Absolutely. That happens all the time. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you in the back of your brain have to manage all of these elements, and you have a team that can help you with that. But you're like, what? What can we? how, how can we anticipate what the next thing is going to be? So while I'm having that conversation, say I know a turnaround is going to happen or we're looking in a certain direction, then I'll try to get my team to already, like, be moving the thing that needs to be moved or X, Y, and Z things. So it's, it's a, it's a very bizarre, um, juxtaposition of like, in order to know what's next, we have to have this lengthy conversation. But ideally you kind of have already prepped it and you already know what's going to happen. Now on shows when you don't have time for prep or you don't have time or the director is new and they're kind of going back and forth on what they originally were asking, um, like you, you just, you got to roll with the punches and it's exhausting and incredible and you feel so productive at the end of a 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 hour a day. Um, you've accomplished so much. Um, so that's, that's a very cool feeling.
1: It it's, is very cool. It's crazy. You're at 375 days mm-hmm. and these aren't just nine to five days. Mm-hmm. These are 13 hours because you have an hour for lunch
2: mm-hmm. minimum. Yeah.
1: When when do you ever like get to a point where you're like I I can't do my job like have you gone to a point
2: on yeah set? I oh absolutely absolutely and this is this industry has a, a bigger a, a a bigger issue of not prioritizing work life balance um it's something that I have struggled with for our for for such a long time I am so career driven and so motivated and i'm so much um, my favorite phrase ever is i am an object in motion that stays in motion and the moment that i am halted in any way then it's really hard for me to start again so is
0: that newton's law number oh one? yeah, am yeah. I, am <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> it's my my number
2: one law <laughs> um but i say that so often people are like well, how do you have the energy for x y and z things and mm-hmm. i'm like an object in motion stays in motion and i mm-hmm. just don't stop But you're absolutely right. There there are times where I will skip breakfast because I don't feel like I can take the time to shove three bites of a burrito into my mouth. Like I I feel obligated to be on set doing working nonstop for 13, 14, 15 hours straight. And it is a learned behavior to go up to my bosses and say, I I need I need to or I need to use the bathroom or I need a snack or I need to see the medic. Like, there have been times before where I have like cut myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't even have time to go see a medic for a band-aid, or I have a headache and I don't have time to ask for Advil. And it's a learned behavior to take a second and remind myself um that it's okay to take a second, um, take a breather, um, go and and give myself a pep talk in the mirror. Like I've done so much of that and i was texting my dad once um uh, in the middle of a really hard day and i was like dad like i just i'm so worked up about all these things and um sometimes i forget i forget the human element i i'm just in trainee mode all the time and he texted me back and he's like but you're a human first like you're a human being first. Yeah. Like that's that's the first level of who you are besides <laughs> whatever your job title is or whatever your relationship is and whatever um whatever, whatever else you identify as. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, so I have to remind myself that it's okay to be a human." Um and I've gotten much 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 better at going up to my bosses and saying, "I I need 5 minutes." Or I will happily get to that task, but first I I need to eat lunch because this is our lunch hour or lunch half an hour, you know? And I've, um, I used to feel really bad asking PA, like the breakfast PA who's in charge of getting breakfast for cast and people who can't step away. I used to feel terrible asking them to like throw a burrito in a bag for me. But the answer is then I don't eat and then I die. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. So it's, it's
2: a balance of, um, reminding myself to drink water, reminding myself to um, to grab the coffee because it will help my job performance later on. And then um, it also helps on the weekends. You have to like make a decision. If you're striving for work-life balance, do I go out and f- see my friends, even though that's going to emotionally drain me even more? Right. Or do I sleep all day and then I haven't seen my friends in a month and a half? So each show is different. You figure out the balance of each show and what your energy level you can provide for each show And, um, yeah, I definitely, um, my goal is no longer to crash every time I get home. It's to drive home, feeling fulfilled and satisfied and knowing that I've done the best that I can while also reminding myself I'm a human being.
0: Well, (laughs) I questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Number one, commend you on all of that. Practicing self-care is huge, especially in this industry. Um, and I just have a question of when did that mindset begin because I, I can imagine like you're you're still uh, a DGA trainee, mm-hmm. an AD trainee. Like your program isn't done yet. Like in my mind, I I would consider ourselves like we're all aspiring entertainment industry pre- executives. We're sort of not yet entertainment industry exec- mm-hmm. executives. Professional professionals. Or professionals. Right, right, Thank you for correcting me there. <laughs> you got it. Um, so my question is Having not yet achieved that, I guess, career where you can settle down necessarily, where did that aspect of self-care and taking a breather and asking for, I guess, just any sort of help come into play?
2: Yeah, that that's a great question because I struggle with it every single day still. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be an active conversation in my brain. Um, but really what happened was... I, um, well, first a pandemic hit and everyone was forced to pause. And I, I, at that point I was like, I have so much momentum in this career, in, in this program. And all of a sudden I have to stop. Like that is outrageous to me. I was so infuriated by that. And then, um, and then it started picking up again and it got faster and faster and faster while still being aware of the pandemic that was still happening. So, um, I was working this time last year, I was working on a show, um, In a galaxy far, far away. And that is a really hard show. That's a really hard show. And I would be up at 5 a.m. Accepting calls at 5 a.m. Not sleeping until midnight. I was so exhausted. And I went home for Christmas. And my anxiety level was at its peak on Christmas Day. Like, crazy. Really ridiculous. And my mom calls me out on it a lot. And she's like, I can't see you. This is not sustainable. This is not a sustainable system. And I see... Um, my dad and I share a very similar work ethic too. And I see how stressed he can be in his career, which is very different than mine, but we handle stress very similarly. Um, and I can read the signs within myself when I'm stressed, I don't eat. And that's not good. Um, you know, So I can kind of recognize when I'm getting to that point a lot more. I'm a lot more self-aware. And then um, I was talking to some, some people on that, on that show and I said, what's my expectation of working on the weekends, what's my expectation of working on Thanksgiving break, on Mm -hmm. Christmas break? And their answer was, as long as the next shooting day can happen. And you're like, okay, I can do that. But if we're getting a schedule at midnight the day before, or if we're, like, all of the things are falling apart, and this person has to COVID test, and this person has to do this, and we don't have that for prep, and this is still being rewritten, and I don't actually know, then it, it, it turns into this whirlwind. And finally, I... um. I was like, this is not sustainable. Something had to change, and I needed to change that within myself and set certain boundaries. Now it's very tricky in this program because there's an expectation of putting your all into it. Mm -hmm. But I've decided that I can redefine what is my all. If I'm not capable of giving you that one shred of energy left, then I've already given you my all. Like, that's definitely... I, and I'm, I'm my own worst critic. I have extremely high expectations of myself and the people that I work with around me, but mostly myself. And um, over the summer was a great example of prioritizing mental health. I, I like, I would get home on weekends and at at, at 3 a.m. because we were shooting fratter Day so often, and I was exhausted. I'm so exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally, every part of it. So I went up to my program, which, um is it uh, basically the way that the program works is you get assigned shows. You don't have a say in when you get that call or where you're going and you don't know how long it's going to be in between shows. So I knew that I needed to recharge. I knew that I needed it to come back stronger. I just come from this hectic, hectic prep show and then immediately into Pam and Tommy, which was a hard show to, to begin with. And then, um, I went up to my program and I submitted an absence request, which most times those absence requests are used to go home for the holidays or if you have a wedding or you, know, you can acknowledge that this is something that you want to participate in. And if you're not assigned, then they'll probably grant it. And I submitted an absence request that said, I need to take six weeks off in order to recharge my mental health. And it was very simple. And I got a call from my advisor and she was like, I've never really seen that before. Like, this is a very unique version of an absence request, but I know you wouldn't be asking if if you didn't absolutely need this. Um, so it's granted. We will not assign you. We will not give you a call for another month or, or six weeks, whatever I submitted. And um, and I was like, thank, thank you. And I slept for a week straight. And then I grabbed drinks with my friends and I started seeing my therapist again just to like get mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. get all of the emotions and and feel strong in every aspect of, of my life or at least try to. And um you know like I went on dates and like I felt pretty and like I you know all of those things that matter that I wasn't able to do all summer. Um yeah, I, I recharged and then at the literally the day that that expired, I got a call <laughs> saying, "All right, here's your next show." And <laughs> And I was ready for it. I was wow. really, I came back stronger. Um, I was really ready for it. Um, so I work, I just finished a Netflix feature, which um, was really interesting because it wasn't, um, I really loved the team and the work was, nothing simple about making a movie, but in the grand scheme of the hours and the elements, it was um, contained. Um, and I was still challenged, but it wasn't like challenging me to my core so I couldn't sleep at night. Like it was, it was a phenomenal, um, learning curve a phenomenal lesson and I really loved the team that I worked with and it it let me continue to recharge. What I've learned is that right now in this program I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice of who I work with or where I go or when I take those jobs but I am way more informed that the moment that I have that choice and that idea is intoxicating the idea of choice I know what types of projects I want to put my energy into and what and how much energy I'm willing to give them and that's what I've learned the most out of this program and that was really unexpected like of course I learned how to be an AD and I learned the rules and I learned the paperwork and I learned how to communicate in AD terms but the most important thing I learned was when I have the option of choice what I want to choose for myself that's great
1: do a lot of people at your age get to do that
2: um what do you mean make like, like like do a
1: lot of people graduate from the dga training mm-hmm. program at this age
2: um i yes and no i'm the youngest in my class but only by like a few months um but it's definitely <laughs> <So> um, <humble. laughs> um but I, it the program is designed to find the people who um met like i i don't know how to phrase it it's like It's, they definitely prioritize diversity, but it's to give people an opportunity that they might not have gotten without this program, Mm -hmm. you know? So sometimes they choose really young people. Sometimes they choose older people who are on their second or third career path. Um, but there's definitely an average of like, I guess I got in when I was 25. Yeah. 25, something like that. It's been Um, two years. Two. Yeah. Two and a half. I'll graduate in two and a half.
0: That's how long it takes.
2: Um, I, my, my program (laughs) experience felt very expedited. Um, I think total, I only had those six weeks off basically and the pandemic, but, um, the pandemic kind of put a a wrench in the works. Um, it normally takes an average of three years. Um, so I have, uh, 375 days and, um, there are people in my class who have, who just hit day 300 or they're on 320 or they're on 350. So, um, there's a, 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 about a hundred day gap. It's over
1: a year of days.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's ten. Yeah. That's
1: ten days more than a year. Yeah. That you have working <laughs> in two and a half yeah. years. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Insane.
2: I did the math of how many work days I did this year. Mm-hmm. Um. And from the be- of January first to now, I've done two hundred and fifteen work days. Oh my goodness. Um. So it's it, it definitely feels nonstop. But an object in motion stays in motion. That's it right there. So
0: I gotta ask you about this program. Yeah. First. Uh, before we even get into the program, because I had this question before, are a lot of ADs, and maybe even in your program as well, are they, not to say failed directors, but people that eventually wanted to be directors and maybe it didn't work out, maybe this is uh, in their head a way to eventually get there, is that a lot of assistant directors working today and in your program as well?
2: Um, Definitely not in the program. Okay. There is a very extensive application and interview process that, that really makes sure that people in this program want to be ADs. Okay. Um, be, becoming a director is a very nonlinear path and there is a version in which you AD and then you can start directing episodes and then, I do know a bunch of directors who yeah. were ADs in the, in the past.
0: Like maybe you'll direct a second unit every once in a while. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Or, or even like if you've worked on, if you've AD'd a show for for like seven seasons or something dumb, then on the eighth season, they'll give you an opportunity. Or if you express that as a goal, like they'll give you an opportunity. Sure. Um, not even that long, like if you've been there for two or three seasons. Um, so that sometimes happens, but becoming an AD, if you want to be a director, going the AD path is a lot of work. Like that's so much work. I feel like, I feel like, um, you, you almost, you have to want to be an AD more than anything in order to want this job. For sure. It's so stressful. It's constant. You're on call at all times. You are, are just, and you're the bad guy on set. Sometimes you have to tell people no, or you're rushing people or you're doing X, Y, and Z things that just prevent other people from doing their jobs. Like there's such a stereotype where ADs just they stand for always in doorways because they just stand in doorways watching everybody else work. But good ads know how to get that crew, the crew members, like on their on their side and understand the bigger picture. That my goal is the same as yours. It's to light the set so that we can shoot the things so that we can make the movie <laughs> so that so, we can go home. Right, right. exactly, yeah, go exactly. Home and do it again. <laughs> but we're the ones who are making the decision to or, or or facilitating the decision to go into overtime or to not break for lunch or. You know, and when you're seasoned, you, you know, if you're daylight dependent, that's why you're not breaking for lunch. But, so,
0: so when the crew yeah. finds out that Ziggs is their AD, <laughs> they're going to be pretty upset because they're going to find out they're never breaking for right, lunch. Right, and they're going. working 215 <laughs> days in a row with no days uh, off. Right,
2: exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, so it's a it's a very uh, tricky thing to get the crew on your side. Um, I, but, yeah, I try to, like, rock up and, and like um, – I think uh, and Tyler correct me if I'm wrong, but I because you've seen me on set, but I do think that I walk onto a film set and everyone knows that I love my job.
1: And like, you wear it on your <laughs> sleeve. like there's no doubt about it. you yeah. you you can see it here. <laughs> you can see it.
2: I and I, I really do like I, I love my job with every fiber of my being, and I think that that's where that workaholicness takes over of I, I truly, like being, I've never felt more at home than being on a film set, even on the days that are so stressful. So that's why it's a, very much a learned behavior to take a breather because mm-hmm. my my intuition says, no, you love this, keep going. Right. Um, but I can, the, the answer is I can love both. I can love my, my job, but I can also love my life.
0: <laughs> and I, I, I have to say it was, if it wasn't clear, I was joking before. Yeah. I'd have to say, <laughs> Like you definitely seem to have a lot mm-hmm. of passion about your job. It's probably very inspiring for a crew to have an assistant director. Is just supposed to be in charge of logistics mm-hmm. with so much passion about what they're actually making. It's probably very inspiring, very motivating to work. I would. Imagine.
2: I hope so. And the other thing is, I'm I'm a trainee, so my whole job is to train, is to continue to learn, is to continue to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So on my on my last show, which was challenging for certain reasons. Um, but we had a lot of downtime because of certain elements of that show. And um, we were able to, it, it gave me time to go up to our first AD and say, so why is this scheduled this way? And when you go into something, how how do you go about scheduling this? Or I would go up to the boom op and be like, what are you looking for when you look at this scene? Or what what's, I would go up to my second second AD who is the right-hand man or woman of of the first AD um, helping facilitate everything. The first AD can think big picture and be next to the director and the DP. And the second second can help make everything happen. So I'll go up to my second second and the number of times I'd go up to him and say, what's the hardest part of your day? (laughs) And he would come back with like a sassy comment or, or, and then we'd dive into it and he'd be like, actually, I'm really worried about matching the continuity of the background. So then not only am I like trying to put myself in the position of being that second second AD and and acknowledging even a seasoned AD has hardships in their day, but then now I have the information about what they're most worried about and I can help keep a brain and an eye on it too. So um I I there was a day, a moment on Friday where um we were waiting for something or it was a very small space. It was a very small space. So only one AD really needed to be in that room. And I was just kind of locking up a courtyard and I, I was kind of on my phone a little bit, um, which is not a great practice, but sometimes you just need to like check out for a second. And I, I put my phone down and I said, all right, there's something I can be learning right now. There has to be something. So I go and I observe and I saw them placing some background and then, and then I went around a corner and I saw how the key grip was prepping his equipment. And I saw, oh, we've got a lifeguard over there. Well, why do we have a lifeguard? We're not shooting in the pool, but we do have a pool out here. Is that something that we need? Or um, we rush called, on my last show, we rush called a bunch of background and the, the director said, I want a dog. I want to see a dog. And I was like, okay, so how do we go about rush calling background with a dog? Okay, we ask if they can bring one and they're comfortable with that. Do we need animal welfare to be here? Like just asking all of the bigger questions and- my, my brain is a constant stream of questions. So it's, uh, um, yeah, it, it's, it keeps me intrigued. It keeps me invested. It, it almost
1: seems like the job is to simplify decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're in, or you have to think about all these different factors that go into making a simple decision like bringing a dog onto set. Mm-hmm. But actually, there are probably 10 different things that you have to consider to actually get that dog onto set. And then you have to convey that also Absolutely. to a director.
2: And how do you, how do the director comes up to you and says, get me a dog? And you're, the answer is not no. You right. can't say no. <laughs> right. You can't say no until you've gone through all 10 of those questions. Yeah. And you absolutely know it's not happening because there's not enough time to do it. Because honestly, there's always a way to make it happen. And sometimes we're victims of our own success where we've, we've been able to make it happen before. So why can't we do it again?
0: That's the finesse <laughs> right there. I want to yep. play a quick game. Okay. Let's, say, let's say we're directors, me and Tyler. Right. And we, we have some, uh, we got some things. Like, we're like, hey, we want to do this real quick. Yeah. So, like, wait, I'll would throw, Be specific. so well, I will. I will. That would be part of the game. All I'm right. setting the rules. Okay, okay right. So, great. let's say, um, so, like, I'll throw something out. Like, we're right. filming a scene. I'm like, hey, wait, I want a dog. Like, would be something I would say. And yeah. then you'll be like, oh, here are the questions I need to ask yeah. in order to yeah. see. So, I'll say, um... We were talking about pool earlier. Oh, there's a lake in the background. Uh, Instead of people just walking by the lake, I want people swimming in the lake.
2: So immediately my question would be, um, which people, how many? Um, And then so if we're thinking that it's going to be like background, like the first teamers aren't going to be in there at all, Mm -hmm. then you go up to background and you ask who's comfortable swimming in this lake. at the same time, you'd have to, like, rush call a lifeguard if we didn't already have that. And we'd have to make sure the medic was was okay with it. There are also other, like, safety procedures. Like, you kind of have to know what the weather is. Like, we're not going to stick someone. The answer is no if there's, like, lightning, thunder, rain. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or the temperature is so outrageous. Like, the one thing that you can say no to as an AD is safety. We are safety officers. And if anything's unsafe, then you can immediately shut it down, which there's a lot of power in that um but say it's a beautiful summer day and you're great you go up to the background you say who who's willing to swim then you go and talk to your upm who's in charge of all the money and you say how much money can we give them to swim because it's going to be an elevated rate you talk to costumes make sure we have the swimwear for them and the extra towels for them you talk to locations to make sure we have heaters on standby for when they get out of the water um and then uh yeah and then depending upon the number of people that they need you know um you make sure that they have the right shoes you make sure that um yeah you those are kind of like the original questions and so
0: let's say like we're about to film in Ten minutes, right? And I'm like, I I want this. Yeah. Could you make this happen in ten minutes, or what? What, how, what time would you then give yeah. me to say, all right, like?
2: What I would say yeah. is, okay, great. So maybe instead of shooting the wide, let's shoot the coverage shooting in this direction, and we'll get all of that set placed, all of the logistics happening, and then by the time we turn around, we'll have that ready for you. Whoa. So yeah, that's the oh, yeah. those <laughs> those are the decisions that you can encourage, like. We can absolutely make that happen. In order to make that happen, we should shoot in this direction first.
0: That's really interesting I And then, think about that.
2: Yeah. But then, like, <laughs> that affects the DP and where the sun is and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you go up to the DP and you say, and the director, you have a conversation with both of them. And you say, if you want swimmers in the pool, we're going to have harsh lighting over here. Do you care about that? Is that something more important? Can we do something? You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. And then conversation commence, and then they will come to a decision themselves, you know. And then you can execute whatever the decision is.
0: Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that. Tyler, you, you have one? That's a good game.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
0: I'll do one more. I have another. Yeah. All right. So let's say we have a, a – <laughs> it's a rom-com. Yeah. And there's a, a, a woman has just uh, broken up with her horrible boyfriend, and she's mm-hmm. walking through the streets in New York. Like, this is the scene, and she's yes. so happy. But then I'm the director. I'm like, I want her grabbing – three random people off the street that mm-hmm. we already have all these extras for yeah. and kissing all of them one by one, just three random yeah. people. Can we make that happen?
2: Yeah. That's yeah. a great question. Cause that happens all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, where like there's a specific element. So for things like that, you automatically should have an intimacy coordinator. Okay. Um, because so you ask permission with the background, who's comfortable with this. You'd ask what type of adjustment, what money we can give them. Um, with things like kissing, if you don't already have an intimacy coordinator there, then um, then sometimes it, it, you kind of have to defer to what the background is comfortable with. Um, but I'll give you, we'll up the ante a little bit. Say that was written in the script and all of a sudden she, the director says, actually, I want all of them to be naked. Like they were originally supposed to kiss, but I actually want them to be like. We want one person, like they're taking it's, off their clothes. It's like clothes. a fantasy sequence right.
0: in the middle. And of, everyone right. wants
2: this person. And instead of just kissing, it's like they're taking off their clothes and, and like lusting over somebody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sure. That is an entirely different thing. So, um, so you talk about, so you, you probably already have an intimacy coordinator there because of the action uh, that was written in the script. But then you have to do what's called nudity riders, which we experienced a lot on Pam and Tommy. A lot of that. Um, So you have to see who's comfortable with that. Sometimes people aren't comfortable with that, that you already have booked. So you could probably, in time of COVID, rush calling people is a little tricky, but um, you can probably rush call somebody who says in their background profile that they're comfortable with nudity. Um, So you can, um, and then you have to make sure that um, if you're on a very public street, I, as an AD, would say I'm not comfortable putting nudity on a very public street that we don't have access to shutting down. So I would see how we could change the location. Maybe it's in an alleyway. Maybe it's here. Something that we have control over the location. Um, I would also talk to the grips and see if we can put up um, modesty or courtesy flags to make sure that they have the most um, the most privacy as possible. Or maybe there's a way to move that inside. You know, things like that.
0: And so are these uh, like. Game over. Yeah. Are
2: these
0: <laughs> are these two those two questions? Are these like, like good examples of something you would have to deal with?
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You deal with everything,
1: literally yeah. everything. Wow. And there's so many different yeah. directors too that mm-hmm. ask so many different things.
2: Yeah. I'm sure. And, and they're it's, probably
1: even more needy, more more technical,
2: yeah. more particular about. This. Well, there there are times where you're switching between directors. Sometimes, um, like if you're shooting a scene from one episode and then we switch to a different director or. Um, Pam and Tommy had a bunch a of different had a bunch of different directors and we knew that one of our directors wanted to picture pick all of their hero background like they knew who they wanted and they wanted to approve of all of the costumes so we would have to send pictures and then there would be other directors who didn't care as long as it happened you know they were okay with whatever it is. they trusted our decision in it as well so you kind of have to finagle um how much effort you have to put in and how much say the director has and Um, Of course, the answer is they have all the say, but we're trying to get ahead of it so that they don't see it on... The worst thing that could happen is cameras are rolling and the director says, oh, I don't want that. Whereas if you could have prevented that by sending a simple picture three hours prior to approve a costume, then... Good God, please send the picture. <laughs> like, you got to make it happen somehow.
0: And I'm sure there's t- probably all the time. Like, let's say a director's like, I don't want to shoot in this alleyway where we just set up all the time. I want to shoot in that one. And you're like, there's no difference. But so what do you do there? Do you say that to the director or do you go, put yeah. your head down and say, yep. Uh, so what what happens? So
2: uh, let me give you a real life example of that okay, happening. Please and please. I just have to roll my eyes because it's just, it's the most ridiculous thing Um, How
1: many times do you say that a day?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You have to like certify it at a certain point. I'm like, great, this is ridiculous. I can't say it anymore. Oh, God. Um, Or even like some AD teams have like tallies of like, what the fuck? Like
1: just
2: just tallies of how often you say that. But so we're shooting um, in a restaurant downtown, really fancy restaurant. Um, That's supposed to be a strip club, right? On my last show. And this strip club um, had, like, a special, like, whatever, a room that we were going to, like, the back room of, of whatever, of the strip club. So the way the restaurant was was organized was there were two basically identical rooms. Basically identical rooms. So set deck comes in, they dress the side that we have chosen on the scout, we confirm, confirmed it the day of, while we're shooting something else, Grip gaff are going to come in and pre-light it. Um, like, it is set, there was a stunt supposed to happen, they, they pre-visited it in the actual space, they practiced it, they rehearsed it. The director walks in and says, I don't like it. And you're like, okay, like as a director, I do think that it is part of your responsibility to understand the amount of work that has gone into a space. And you're allowed to say that you don't like it, but then it comes down to priorities. Do you not like it enough to change everything that we have been working for seven hours on? Or is it something that you can, we can finagle or shift or change the angle so that we can make it work? You know, that, that's your responsibility as a director to make this vision work. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the identical looking room and says, I like this better. And we're like, okay. And he's like, but I like the furniture of the first one. We're like, okay. So we call set deck and we get the grips to help. And we're moving all of the couches to a different place. And we're rearranging everything. And it just, it, it added. And then we finally get the space kind of the way he wanted it. And he's like, okay, I like the configuration, but I think we got to go back over there. And we're like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you're allowed to change your mind, but you can't change your mind like that. Like, you got to make a decision and then stick with it and see how we can make this happen. Like, do you know what you're asking of your crew right now? It's so oh disrespectful goodness. to just change your mind every three seconds. Or even, like, we'd set up this huge dolly track and then he goes, you know, I think I want a handheld instead. <laughs> and you're like... We've been – what do you think we've been doing for the last 45 minutes? Like, it's just
1: – It's a waste of time and money.
2: It's such a waste of time and money oh and, and energy. And uh-huh. so, yeah. So, this is utterly ridiculous. Just that's what comes to mind. And you're just – you sit back and you're like, I am – I have a choice right now to be so frustrated by this scenario. Right. Right. Or I can just let that emotion go and make it happen because that's my job.
1: I feel like once you've done your job, you just have to leave it up to them, right? Yeah. And Just like you can't get mad at it yeah. at a certain point, but it's hard. I think
2: I had a good I had a good run on that show where I would go with the flow. I was like, I'm a jellyfish. I'm just going with the flow. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and about halfway through Thursday is when all of the pent-up aggression and frustration (laughs) came out. And I was like, I have to go punch something. And I'd go away at lunch and just, like, get all of my anger out, whether that's, like, ripping up something or, you know, just, like, venting for, like, the lunch hour and then coming back. It's very (laughs) very hard
1: to envision you getting very frustrated (laughs) because you keep your composure all the time. But there was one time on Pam and Tommy that I saw you – Get extremely frustrated. I honestly don't even remember like why oh or God. anything. But where
2: were we? We were
1: in Chatsworth.
2: Okay. At okay. The mansion. Okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was. We were shooting. We, it was a double update, so we had. We were shooting two episodes. Yeah. And at the houses across the street from each oh, other. Yeah, I think yeah, like there was, like, moving
2: cars around. And, and Guccione's. Like... <gasps> yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Can, can I hear
0: more? Like, uh, I feel like we haven't even gotten into right. together, you and, and Ziggs oh, and yeah. me and Tommy together. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, how did you meet?
1: Where, where did this... We met yeah. very early on. Yeah, probably I mean, that
2: camera test day. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Was that? No, You the day before that. Oh, you okay. had You had a prep day with yeah. Ron. Yeah. The first AD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and Um, and I
2: remember going up to you because I was like something was happening and I think I was just like sitting down somewhere and normally like there's an AD unspoken slash spoken agreement that like like you're kind of on your feet all day um yeah it was a prep day yeah but I wanted to prove this was my first day I wanted to prove my work ethic and Chip our UPM aka both of our bosses like the overall boss of the entire show walks by and I went up to Tyler and I was like so is that, is that Chip? Like, is that 3 p.m.? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, so I've been sitting for three hours. Like this is crazy. Like I felt so bad. And Tyler was like, he's not like that. Like he understands that you're doing your job. Like it's more than just, than yeah. just like, there was a lot of thinking that was happening at that time. So.
1: But it's so funny too. Cause like when, when you meet somebody and then you express that to me, I would, I, <laughs> I got a sense of who you were and I could yeah. eat so relate to that because mm-hmm. I had set PA before. So just like, there was an instant comfortability between the two of us. And yeah. I feel that way for everybody that met you on the show. They come on to Pam and Tommy. And like you said before, it's like, go to Ziggs. Like, yeah. if you don't know what's going on, go to Ziggs. <laughs> and that makes your job so much more oh, stressful. Wow. But it really matters. And it, it's so important to have somebody like you on set. And especially, like, when morale is low. Like, because that happens a lot. You need people like you with high energy on set to keep the ball rolling and keep keep the set running. And what was your title on Pam and Tommy?
2: DGA Trainee. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been my title for the last 375
1: days. (laughs) Not Um, all shows have a DGA Trainee,
2: though. Right. Yes. So it's a relationship that the program has with these shows. So a show will say, we need, like, Pam and Tommy is actually a great example where we had a lot of turnover on that show, especially in the AD department. Mm. Basically, all of our PAs quit one week. And we were like, okay, like, what are we going to do now? And then we were kind of. I mean, I feel like we were known around town to be a challenging show. So we couldn't necessarily find a lot of replacements, a lot of people who wanted to staff with us. So I went up to the AD team and I was like, hey, we could have another trainee. Like, you're you're welcome to – the way that I got on that show is we had a lot of trainee alums. Um, Like, our key second Sarah was a trainee. Um, So she knew what the program was about and wanted to bring somebody in um, originally I was supposed to run background and then just the needs of the show kind of, um, caught up to me and I was like backseat second seconding slash key PA. You were, yeah, you were AD. It, it felt like being an AD, just being a support system to yeah. all the other ADs and, and being a catch all and being a source of information, mm-hmm. which I definitely prided myself on. Um, but yeah, so when everybody quit, it ended up being like, we need somebody who can't quit. And I was like trainees can't quit. So let's hire another one of those. And the program has this great thing where it's like buy one, get one free or like buy one, get one 20% off. So I was the original one. And then the other trainee that came in is like 20% off the salary for the show. So um yeah so it like there's a lot of incentive to have more than one trainee. And mm-hmm. that was nice. Liz, right? That was Liz. And
1: she worked on Myth the Quest with us. Mm, yeah. And so did Sarah. So yes. it was so cool I literally walk on set one day and see Liz. I'm like, <laughs> "What are you doing here?" And I knew like we were obviously talking about hiring another trainee cuz it costs money, but yeah. I walked on set and saw her and I was like, "No way." And then I and then I realized that you two had known each other, right? Oh,
2: yeah. Liz, Liz and I are in the same class, and she's one of my favorite people.
1: And, and it's friends. so funny. Like, that that happens so much on mm-hmm. set where, like, you you see somebody that you know, and then you see another person you know, and then you don't realize they know each other, and then you all just, like, become <gasps> like, this friends. This crazy. Yeah. yeah.
2: How do you know that person? Yeah. Oh. Like, it's all of that. It's a so. small town. Yeah. It's, it's cool. a small well, town. <laughs> I, immediately, I immediately jumped to, like, right after Pam and Tommy, I did this Netflix feature, and, and uh, Paula, our DP, was the DP on the... On this new feature, so I knew the whole camera department. And I was like, "This is great! Like, I love seeing familiar faces. I know exactly who to go to." We had a rapport. They loved me. I loved them. So it's just, it was, it was so great. You've
1: worked on a bunch of shows and features, mm-hmm. like all of them. Which is your favorite, and why?
2: I try not to choose because they're all different. However, I do have a favorite. Um, my <laughs> favorite show that I have ever worked on ever was called Diary of a Female President. Or I think it's Diary of a Future President. It's on Disney+. Plus. Right? Nah, it's you. a kid's show. And it was my very, very, very first assignment as a trainee, mm. which has a lot to do with why it's my favorite. Um, I basically was called up for a two-day day play. So you rock up for these two days. It was I was a day zero trainee. I had no idea what I was doing. So two days, go in, run some background, um, and then turn into a four-day day play. And then they're like, I think we'll meet next week. Like oh okay great next week and then the next week they're like yeah we'll probably bring you in next week too. <laughs> like okay so it turned into a month and then finally the program called the show and was like obviously you're keeping her like give us an end date for her <laughs> so it was a two day day play turned full sixty day assignment rotation oh, that's so fun um and it was it was just it was running background which is something that was familiar I was a background PA before I got into the into the program. And it was running kids. It was, they were minors. We had like anywhere from 100 to 250 minors every day. In the middle of like September. So people were going back to school, like oh. August, September. Um, people were going back to, back to school and we would do like school dances and we would do like, oh God, it was, it was crazy. But I could just like put on a Hawaiian shirt every day and be camp counselor zigs and just like. I had so much fun on that show. And, like, it was kid hours, which I didn't understand at the time, but it meant that – I I, I mean, we wouldn't do – we would do full 12-hour days, um, be creative with the schedule, but nothing crazy like 16 hours when you have minors. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the AD team, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite second seconds who's now keying was on that show. And then um, the key second is now firsting, and, like, it just – Everything about that show, I loved the PA team. One of I met uh, one of my my favorite people to work with on that show. He was actually running background, and I came in and swooped in and was like, this is how we're doing it. And when he tells the story of how, like, in his first impression of me, he was like, Ziggs, back up. Like, who do you think you are coming into my show running my background? And then he realized that, because um, he didn't want to be an AD. He doesn't want to be an AD. So he was like, oh, wait you're going to do all my work for me. And then we could just be like good cop, bad cop and like work with these kids all day long. Great. This is a perfect situation. So um, it was, it was so much fun. And I think that was like the happiest time. I I've, That's the happiest I've ever been ever. I finally had the title that I wanted of DGA trainee, which it took me three years to get into the program. So um, that, that was just an incredible feeling to finally have that title on a show that, like I cared about and that the team that I cared about and um I was having so much fun and that has to be my my favorite show that ever. Awesome. that's
0: great yeah. and you teased your path a little bit oh. like I guess I can piece it together <laughs> if you went to college at FSU yeah. you moved to LA mm-hmm. PA'd for a little bit at one point was a background PA, yes. tried to get into the GGA trainee program mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. Did you have Eventually to apply multiple it? times?
2: Three times. Three times. Oh, wow. um, Third time's the charm for me. Did,
0: did I get it right? Is that your path? So yeah. Is there anything I'm missing?
2: Uh, I mean, basically, basically, that that's what happened. I, uh, I, I first applied to the training program when I was still in college. So oh, wow. I was still, I was a senior at FSU. Um, I knew I wanted to be a trainee and I applied and made it to the last round of interviews, which was really great. Um, so do, do you have to do this
0: program to become an AD?
2: No. No, you don't. But the other way of doing it, you have to leave town and like it's it takes so a 400 days time. out of
0: California. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. This is the ideal <laughs> way to become yeah. an AD. And, uh, and it's well known that this is the way to. It's definitely. To do it.
2: It's definitely. Um, yes, it is well known. It is <laughs> well known. And not like being a trainee is not for everybody. Like like I said, you, you give up you you are on call 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. You give up a lot of Saturdays, you give up a lot of time, you give up um your your choice of where you're going to be for literally 3 years of your life. You know, the last career decision I I really made was when I signed on the dotted line saying, "Yes, I want to be in this program." So, um there wow. and we have like we have lots of paperwork that that is part of the program and lots of observation days and like there's a lot more minutiae and a lot more details of it that that's not for everybody. Um, but I, I knew that it's it's I love being a trainee and um I yeah. hope that I'm good at it. I think that I'm good at it. You're incredible at it. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just it's um yeah, it was the the perfect thing, the perfect training that I wanted and needed to becoming an A D.
0: And so now having done all of these shows, mm-hmm. do you now, like it, you, I think you mentioned at the beginning, it's like now I have more of a direction as to where I want to work and, and like what shows I want to work on. Um, does that have to do with content or the company that's making it like what kind of what are your parameters for?
2: Yeah, like, I am. Um, choosing a show. Originally, I was like, I don't care who I work with because I'll figure out a way to work with anybody type of thing. And now I very much know that people, the people on my team matter more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm working with them 70 hours a week. Like, I have to enjoy them on some level. And, and are
0: you learning a lot of names and, like, seeing a lot of familiar ones from bouncing around to all of these different shows?
2: Yeah. So so they try not to assign you to shows with ADs that you've worked, worked with before. Um, so I, if say I've worked on, like, nine shows. That's nine completely different AD teams, completely different people. Um, all of the PAs from that, like, your network is ginormous at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's my responsibility to maintain that network. Um I'm trying to think if I had any crossover. I had a few I did a, a like a 7-day pilot with some ADs that I'd worked with prior and um and then the show that I'm currently on, um I've worked with those ADs before. Um but for the most part it it's just all all new people. You start from scratch and they don't understand trainee is is a big umbrella of of work experience of personalities of of people. So it's like one of those things, like you're kind of rolling the dice of what training you get. Now we all have similar training, but we we've all worked on different shows and have different backgrounds. And, and, and you get
0: different no things. choice. So, like they might, they could even say you get Netflix sci-fi <laughs> show versus HBO movie. Like you yeah, don't, you don't get that. Not They're not at like, all. And until next like
2: your graduation assignment. You have a little bit more say because they'll see that's your first AD team you'll work with as an assistant director. Like, mm. you have a little bit more say there. But for the most part, a- yeah, absolutely not. You get a call and you're like, this is where you're going on Monday. Please test as soon as possible. And you're like, okay. And so um, the fact
0: yeah. that you've expedited yourself through this process, was that a choice in any way? Like, no, I mean, or is it just by no, sharing? it's really
2: luck of the draw? I have friends who are equally as excited and equally as skilled and equally. As invested in this program and and they'll have four months off or like I, I was lucky because I got that day play assignment my very first show I got that the day that orientation happened as a trainee the last day of orientation so I worked almost immediately and then I, I truly like never got a break it was like every time I'd finish a show then I'd get another call and I think that it, it, it's, it had a lot to do with, the reason why I was on Lake Mead, aka Pam and Tommy, was because every other trainee was working at the time, and um, yeah, so I was like literally the only one who was available for that time. Oh my so you just, the timing of it really, really well, worked out.
1: And you came right off of Mandalorian, right? Uh,
2: I had, I finished, I finished star- that show, I finished Galaxy Far, Far Away, and then I had a, an eight day um, pilot. That I did immediately. And then, yeah. And then I jumped straight into Pam and Tommy. I think I had one day off. I went to the That's what I
1: remember hearing. I had, Our first day meeting. Yeah. I had, like, one day (laughs) off.
2: And then I jumped on... So my, my current show, I jumped on on Monday. And everyone was like, oh, like... I know, did you have any time off? And I was like, no, I, I wrapped at 9 p.m. on Friday and I'm here at 5.42 on on Monday. Like, But I'm graduating you know, in 25 days, so right, I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I have blinders to literally anything else. Like, oh my it, in my spare time, I'm like, okay, so 25 days. So tomorrow will be 24. And then, like, I'm, like, doing the math constantly and making sure that all, it all kind of lines up. Wait,
1: so at the end of these mm-hmm. 25 days, you're yeah. going to stay on yes. the project you're on, right? Yes, yeah. What happens what's different then when you yeah graduate? um
2: it's honestly in practice it's gonna feel very similar but um but mentally it's this huge shift of um i'm get, making a dga rate okay right. um i also like the certain things about the dga i uh, suddenly i'm eight thousand dollars in debt because i owe dga dues um and then i um yeah the title on like on the call sheet is different but it just it means so much more it's
0: so exciting and
2: and they can use like they can upgrade me or they can use me as an ad in the sense that like i can come in early i can do the early wave of things i can open base camp for our trainee i can um, be upgraded to second second if we have two units. Like we just, it's another resource. And at everybody. some point,
0: it's no longer you're going to be getting assignments through the trainee program. You're going to be getting it through all the connections
2: you've yeah, made. Yeah, exactly. The so the training program has assigned me my last show, this graduation show. Everything else is is up to up to me.
0: Whoa! Yeah. And do you think you will be all set, ready to go?
2: Um. I. I feel. I'm. It's that. It's that uh, very confusing mix of emotions where, yes, I am definitely nervous and 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 I don't want to say scared because I'm not scared. I'm I'm so ready. I know that I'm going to be overwhelmed. I know that it's it's going to be a crazy mental and emotional jump to becoming an assistant director with that title. But I feel so ready. I feel prepared by this program. I feel prepared by the experience that I've given myself. AKA um, not like asking questions and forming relationships and, and just being so curious and taking risks because I have this lovely title that allows me to fail. Um, as a trainee, you, you can, you're allowed to fail because you're a trainee, you're in training, you're not an assistant director and you're also not a PA. So you have to have that expectation for yourself, but but you're you're you have so much leeway to learn and grow and take risks and use different strategies, and um, I feel very very ready, very prepared to to be in the guild. Well, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank early you. On. Thanks. So
1: I actually don't know the answer to this, and up to this point, like you're saying, the AD route is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Like a similar to a lot of the other jobs. It's a tough
2: one, but it's a clear ladder.
1: So from here, Mm -hmm. how do you rise up to the ranks to become a first?
2: Yeah. Great question. Um, So similarly to getting your PA days and your trainee days, um, our currency is all day count, basically. So um, once I become an, an additional second AD in the union, then all of those days, all of my second AD days will count towards my first AD book. So in order to be a first and be hireable as a first, you have to do like 540 second AD days. Um, and, then, and then... Any kind can, of second? Yeah. Like so second the, second, key the second? The way that the DGA breaks it up is you've got first AD and you've got second AD. And it's really more of a man-made structure. It's not necessarily right. in writing. Every show requires a UPM, a first and a second. But they don't notate whether it's a key or a second second or an additional. With that said we set ourselves up for success knowing that certain shows need one or two keys. They need a second second and they need, um, somebody running base camp, which is a DGA role and should not be, re- base camp shouldn't be run by PAs. Yes. But that's where trainees come Amen in. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. So, and of course it happens. Um, we've got DGA reps all over the place and like, you gotta make sure that, um, oh, I know. yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a kooky, kooky situation because there are so many, PAs and I, I say that with quotes because they are ads. They've been in this industry forever. They know more than me. They have more experience than me. But their title is PA because it's a flawed system of getting into the pro, into right. the into the guild. It's crazy. Um, so they're more than capable of running of running a base camp, of course. But um, but because it's a DGA role, then it has to be run by an AD. And the only exception is a trainee.
1: Cool. So yeah. In your mind, mm-hmm. you always have your goals so yeah, thought out. I do. By what age do you expect <laughs> to become a first?
2: Um, well, what's what's so insane, what's so insane is when I graduated college, they said, what are your long-term goals? And I said, I'll be a second AD in the union five years out of college. And I'm very much on track to, to do that. So, oh, wow. um, which is crazy, crazy, crazy. But what I'm realizing is... Once I, I'm able to hit check on that, I, I think I, I'm going to give myself permission to take a second and not give myself a crazy, crazy goal of like being a first in the next five years. Cause I, that, it takes 500 days. Like that's gonna be a crazy thing too. And I think that that hustle, I think I've hustled to get to this point and I'm giving myself permission. To continue to work hard and continue to choose shows that I want to work on, but maybe expand some other elements of life. I'm I'm young, I'm young, and I'm I have the time. I don't have to be, as much as I want to be a first with every fiber of my being, um, I don't have to be a first tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like I can Good. I can be really selective with the shows that I want to work on. There's no reason for me to dive into projects that my gut is telling me no um and when i'm a first then it will be the right time and when inevitably i'm a upm then it will also be the right time so um great question because my brain is like 5 years like i can do this <laughs> yeah. like let's let's make it happen but um i'm giving myself permission to enjoy being a dgaad for just like a hot minute so well, I'm really happy to hear that yeah thank for you, you. again exciting. learned behavior <laughs> yeah, i also have one last question because yeah. i feel like
0: I, I don't even fully understand it Yeah. but what do you do now, <laughs> like what do you do like on, on a daily basis? Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess we're talking about like what an ad does a lot of the time, not we? Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 like, what's your day to day, real quick? Yeah. So so show? crazy.
2: So my last three three shows, I've had this um, floater position of being an onset trainee, which means that. My world is everything. I am a catch-all. I am, I am the person, the last line of defense before our team, quote unquote, messes up. Because we've got the first team PAs running first team. We've got the background PAs running the background. We've got the walkie distro people making sure that everyone has walkies and everyone has the distro. And then my, my job is to make sure, A, all of those things are happening and what gaps, what balls are, are being dropped simply because there are too many balls in the air. Um, you know, so on, on, uh, like my position is really important when like the second second has so much background to set and then the first still needs support on set, you know, I'll swoop in, I'll be next to the director, I'll be next to the DP. Um, I'll be asking questions. I, I just got added as, as this was my first week, I just got added to like 25 crazy, like a crazy number of group chats that just is an influx of information, with um, cast ready times, with background ready times, with what our schedule is, what our scene order is. And similar, like exactly what Tyler said, I think the best summary of what I am is I am a source of information. I am the per like I will, I'm floating around. I'm constantly listening. I'm constantly Mm -hmm. um, observing and seeing where I can best position myself. And my goal is that you come up to me with a question and I have an answer for you. And that answer is not, I don't know. It's, Either this is the answer that you're looking for, or I'll find out.
1: Your worst fear is somebody coming up to you and not having the answer. (laughs) Yeah, that is who you are. (laughs) It definitely
2: is. So you
1: ask the only questions.
2: Uh, Yeah, so I just I keep on like, and I I have enough um, knowledge under my belt and experience in this position. This is a very bizarre position because it's like nothing is my responsibility and everything's my responsibility. And I think I'm a good candidate for that because I have high expectations of myself that I I naturally insert myself into those conversations anyway. So um, so I can be a really good support system of like, if we need, and and sometimes I do like the little things like, great, everyone is busy and no one can load vans. Great, Ziggs is loading vans right now. Or I'm gonna lock up in this corner. Like I'm not, it, there's no ego. There cannot be an ego attached to being a trainee. Um, and I could say that about literally every position, but especially as a trainee, you, you are thrown into any situation and your answer is, yes, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And even if you don't know how to do that, the number of times that people are like, um, like go set background. I'm like, okay, I, I don't feel confident <laughs> setting background. Like That's such an important role. I don't have the experience to do that as fast as you need me to do. But what am I going to say? I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to go set the background and if it looks great, awesome. And if it doesn't, I'll fix it on take two. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So rocking up into a show with that mindset is really tricky. This show had been going for three weeks and then all of a sudden I come in like a wrecking ball and I'm like, hi, I have the answers for you. Give me your information. That was a really interesting thing to finesse and tiptoe around. And, um, you know, by Wednesday, by Wednesday, everybody knew my name and everybody was able to. Come to me with information and mm-hmm. i was able to go to them with information so um it in terms of transitions it wasn't that bad
1: well can't be prouder of you <laughs> this is amazing yeah. thanks I'm, for explaining um, for what you do too yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. it's, a, it's,
2: it's hard, a hard to explain it's a hard thing, right to explain. it's very a, hard to explain a lot of trainees will go in specifically to run base camp or sometimes they like they'll run a lot of background and you know it, there's some some positions are very prep based like it's it's a you never know you never know what show you're gonna have and what position that's gonna be
1: like a mini first ad
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. i i mean i i definitely try yeah um so and i will say that my brain is really geared towards the logistics and the communication of Mm -hmm. it which which lends itself nicely to being a key second ad um the the being on set um, I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not good good at it. Like I think that I I got there, but it's not my natural tendency to confidently rock up into that situation. Really? Yeah. Which which Tyler's <laughs> eyebrows just mm-hmm. went mm-hmm. to the sky. Um, I I love it. I love it more than anything on this planet. But my brain is geared towards other other roles. Um, so I, it's definitely um, you know it, it t- takes a second for that muscle memory to kick in, that confidence to kick in, but um, but yeah, after three hundred and seventy-five days, it, it clicked at some point.
1: Good for you.
0: That sounds like a great note to end on. yes yeah. <laughs> it does. All right, well, thank
1: you so much. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Cool. I, this
0: was a. It was I, I didn't know a lot about. ADs or second ADs or DGA trainees. So so we got the best training in town. I, I learned a lot today. You <laughs> did, I, yeah. It did, really, yeah. You're, you're a very great person to
2: give all that information. source <laughs> of, of information. about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. Of it's my favorite thing to talk about. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank oh. you so much. Well, it's that good was to see yeah, you and thanks for coming too. on. You did so great. Oh, yes
0: Yeah, and uh, let's uh, thank Ross. Uh, thank you, Ross, my brother, for producing. He awesome. produces the show. Um, again, we are the mailroom where we interview aspiring entertainment industry professionals and we'll see you next
1: time